Welcome to the Inklecast. This week, we're thinking about narrative games, in particular, the way that they often use text to tell their stories, right from indie titles up to AAA titles. And the big question that bothers us is, is the UI important? I'm John. I'm Sam. And I'm Joe. Most of the work on the UI for yes. our games. How important is the UI to, to making text content work? Well, it's pretty important. Pretty important. <laughs> pretty important. Pretty important. <laughs> on a scale from one to ten, it's at least a seven. At I'd least say. a seven, really? Like possibly even an eight. I think it might be an eight out of ten. Everything's always an eight out of ten. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like since we started with our first project on Frankenstein, I mean, we spent so much time prototyping that. UI flow um, that seems really simple in retrospect, but it's kind of formed the foundation of everything we've done um, so far from Frankenstein to Sorcery to 80 Days. And 80 Days has been an evolution of that UI, but even that is kind of, it's still a UI that has basically the same shape, even though it looks completely different. So for people who haven't played Frankenstein, what is that UI? How does it go? So, so... We came up with this system of having pieces of paper that join together, and when you get a, a set of choices, they already look like pieces of paper, and when you tap on one, that becomes the piece of paper that has the next paragraph of text on it, and it joins to the previous one. And the kind of the magic of that system and the way it all uh, fluidly kind of slides together is that it leads your eye from reading the choices to moving um, up and keeping your eye with it because it is the same physical object within the space um, and the text gets revealed on that same piece of paper. So at any one time, your eye is always looking in the right place. And on top of that, um, the way that the, the typography works and the way that the animations work and the pacing of all of that stuff is also really critical. So whether it's you know a, a half-second transition or... You know, it's a transition that takes um, an amount of time between, you know, half a second and one and a half seconds, depending on how far it's got to slide. And all of these little fine-tuned tweaks all make a difference to the, the pacing and the flow. Um, because if you, if you get the pacing wrong, then you really lose the reader. Like, if you make it a two-second transition, then maybe they'll get bored. And just in that, in the accumulation of minute timings they will just somehow feel like the experience isn't working for them even if they don't really know why you make it sound like reading text is something that people don't really want to do <laughs> well it's funny that like i it it sounds really stupid but in the early days of inkle i kind of referred to it as like the bitter pill like it's kind of <laughs> it's something that it will be good if they just give it a chance like give peas a chance <laughs> it's like text is our our peas um like they're they're great and they they give you a good experience but you have to make it palatable um which sounds really negative but it does but then when you look at like short films made by students and that kind of thing like that are not very well lit and mm. not very well edited they yeah. are unwatchably bad yeah like mm. quite often not because the the content is bad or the acting is bad, it's just the production layer is, yeah. is hard to absorb. And it really is an accumulation of tiny details. For example, I remember in 80 Days, when we were just working on the, the basic typography, and you know, very early on when you're prototyping the text flow, you want to just get it working as quickly as possible, just so you can just experience the content. And it's surprising how 
a detail like just the indentation of the paragraphs and, you know, a five-pixel extra space between the paragraphs just makes it so much more readable. It was like night and day when we added the extra indent mm. to the start of a paragraph. Mm. No, crazy. I think I, I remember lobbying quite hard for yeah. the indentation of the opening paragraph because yeah. I actually couldn't read the content without Which is crazy, it. right? Yeah. yeah. Guys often talk about how it's really necessary to have short chunks of content, never mm. give the player like a full page that they have to read before they can make a choice or as a result the choice. Yeah. Because they don't really, that just doesn't work. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. Like, what's wrong with it? Specifically? The, the way I like to think of it is that um, if you have a long piece of text and then a choice, it becomes like two separate activities. And as soon as you chop it up into tiny little chunks, then the kind of the switching of activity between reading and choosing suddenly becomes one action in the player's mind. They're not. They don't have. There's always a, a kind of a friction and an energy that someone has to overcome when they they go from, you know, switching activity, whether that's, you know, watching TV for three hours and going to bed, like that. It's physically hard to get up off your sofa and just brush your teeth and go to bed. (laughs) In the same way, just like in that really short moment of going from settling into reading a paragraph and making a choice, I think there's some real friction there. And if you make you know, a, a, just a couple of sentences between each choice and suddenly you're only doing one activity and it, it just leads you through it. I remember one of the big changes that we made for 80 days over Sorcery was every choice is the opening of the text that follows it. Hmm. So we moved away from choices like pick up the pick up the thing or open the door hmm. or greet the, the waiter towards kind of I open the door and... Yeah, yeah. And getting... And that, I think, made a huge difference to... To that friction that you're talking about, yeah. in that you you suddenly weren't switching from the activity of choosing a yeah. choice, and, and we, it, it opened us up to entirely new possibilities of being able to choose having a choice point every two words in a single sentence. Yeah, and there are certain key moments where uh, we do that in eighty days. It's just really it's really nice when you have that contrast in the pacing as well, isn't it? Like, mm. I think you never really pushed that as hard as it could have gone as well. You can imagine mm. a really tense scene in which you're choosing every adverb mm. like in mm. a single sentence or something. Mm. But yeah. Well that's a good one. Just do that. Yeah, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas update. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And like um I guess the UI it's it's important for more than just the text flow. It's like the text flow is important in our games, but just, I mean, I've noticed in some games, this is my pet hate of a lot of games, is you launch the game and it starts with a menu screen. It didn't really need to show you a menu screen. It could have just pressed the start game button for you. Then it goes to a save slot screen where you get to choose one of three slots. They're all empty. You know, you could have just chosen the first slot for me. And then it says, are you sure you want to choose slot one? <laughs> yes, I'm sure I want to choose slot one. Are you sure you want to start a new game? <laughs> yes, start the damn game. <laughs> and like by com- by contrast, like we we really care about we're we're really precious about that first minute of the experience. You know, we we show um, a black screen. We show you a piece of content immediately with one choice, just to lead you straight in, and you're already playing. And then we try to layer up the UI like as as you get started, just 
so that it's friendly, like it just draws you in immediately, and that's that's really critical. It's sort of framing it like a UX problem. Yeah, it's it really is. Like, should be invisible, but just isn't. Yeah, exactly. And game developers, on the whole, just don't care about UX. I kind of hate that term, UX. Like I don't. <laughs> it's a web. But it, I guess yeah, the the general experience and the oh here's another horrible term, the user journey. Like the, it's just it's really important. And I think it's one of the things that I really like about having designed for mobile for so long yeah, that yeah. like it gets you it gets you trained to this idea that there should basically only ever be one button on screen at any time it should mm. be the button that the player wants to use right now and if mm. there are two buttons that should be the choice the player is making at the moment mm. and if your game has 20 controls in it that's fine they just need to be incredibly contextual and that's our problem not the user's problem mm. but the weird thing that when i feel like when we went to the pc environment this has really surprised a lot of mm. pc users we get a lot of sort of well where are the buttons to control the settings and you go look it's going to be fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, honestly we thought about yeah, it yeah i mean like yeah. one specific instance of that is like on ios you just have this natural understanding that whatever app you're in, it's saving all the time, and you don't need to worry about that. Mm. And then suddenly when you're on the PC, even if you have that kind of improved experience, suddenly it doesn't work so well, because if it's not telling you that it's saving, how do you know that it's saving? What it's if like, it's not saving? How do you know that you can safely quit right now? It's like everyone assumes that PCs are going to like be the worst possible thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's yeah. just a different set of expectations. And then for more subtle things like just should you have more information on the screen because you've got the space like i think sometimes pc gamers like you might they might feel lost in a user interface where there's less information even though that information isn't strictly necessary mm. so like we talked about um the 80 days globe and and adding extra information that usually on um ipad you'd have to tap on something or you'd have to do some kind of inf interaction in order to get that information and we added a lot more kind of surface level um kind of uh, tagging of like the city names and whether you had to hover over a city name in order to get the information all of that kind of stuff mm. and the weird thing about that is that it, none of that is particularly useful to the game mm. it's all just to make it look like it's not yeah. broken right exactly because then you put things on a pc and if they're too simple exactly. they look like there's stuff missing mm. yeah yeah it's quite strange isn't it yeah. though that said there are a lot of games especially narrative games on pc from big studios that mm. have text in them where they don't think about the user interface they don't appear to think about the user interface at all. I think mm. about the law sections in like an Assassin's Creed right, game, yeah. which are just these big text boxes that are hard to scroll in a mm. tiny font. Mm. I, I, mean, I play them mostly on console, and the experience there is unbelievably bad, but yeah. I can't believe anyone I th ever I think reads it's, them. It's partly because the most glamorous programming job in the game industry is either, like, depending on your interests as a programmer, it's either kind of be the gameplay programmer because you're the person who's actually building the bit that the player will play, or it's the kind of the, the graphical tech wizard. But the UI engineer they're not really respected mm. at least at the companies i've worked at they're not it's kind of the dead end role because it's seen as like this easy job that you just give to your weakest um coder mm. which is kind of wrong and which is kind of weird in when you look at the mobile and the web yeah, development exactly. software industry where it's exactly. entirely it's user interface programmers exactly and some server people but like yeah. the bulk of it well that's interesting because when i was in the triple a game industry working at sony and rare like that I felt the same way. Like, I didn't care about the UI. I didn't want to be the person who had to build that stuff. But then suddenly we started Inkle, 
and it was the thing that I cared about the most. And I, I don't know how that transformation happened, whether, whether it was just the effect of Apple's propaganda making us all care about it more or something. I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes whether it's been a big differentiator for our company or, or not. Like, we often see people say that our sort of our game books compared to the other game books out there, not mm. that I consider our games to be game books, but just for the moment, like, have a, you know, and a nicer user interface or a more splashy user interface, more mm. visual. And certainly, you know, they're more visual than the choice of games game and they're a little bit more kind of fluid and interactive than most of Tin Man's mm. game books. I think we've, I've always felt that it's actually the gameplay which is the thing that means that sorcery is perhaps done better than you know, mm. an adaptation of Forest of Doom. It's just mm. got more subtle gameplay in it. Mm. But is it the user interface actually? Is it just I think those it's first got to 30 be seconds? Both, really, yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think it's just both. <laughs> That's the simple answer. Mm. That yeah, we we do have more friendly UI, but then that all ties into the gameplay itself as well. Like we we developed the you know the, a key differentiator when Sorcery 1 first came out was that we had that map layer underneath and that's yes that's a user interface but it's a core game design feature really like mm. the fact that you can move across its map that ties into mm. everything as well, well as and being... I remember when we put it in there was that discussion where we said should it be under a fog of war mm. and the obvious answer is yes because it's an environment you can't you don't know anything about so mm. why would you know what's in it surely it gives the player too much information to know that there's a river that way and a mine that way. And I think we pretty much said that and went, oh, wait, that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah, give yeah, the player yeah. too much information. Yeah, being able to see the different locations on the map and decide to go there, that was kind of... That just it was a game changer for yeah, us. Yeah, completely I mean, changed. And the entire the design of 80 of Days is that sentence you just said, exactly. in a way. Exactly. The high-level design of it. Mm, that's interesting. Interesting. Something I've heard you guys both lament about a little bit is that a lot of sort of two thousands IF from that sort of boom is basically unplayable now because it runs in a little console window and you need you know like it's the least friendly UX ever. You need specialist software and you've got to work out how it works. You've got typing commands just to do make choices. Mm. Like, do you consider that to be one of the reasons that we don't go back and play it? Even though I've heard you both say the content is great. I remember when I was towards the end of my kind of work in tax games, I was spending so much time trying to fix the UI problem, but within kind of interpreters and and systems not designed to let you do anything really, and trying to solve problems like if you if you type a word incorrectly, it should really autocorrect the spelling for you, or even predictively show you what you might be typing and have a tab complete, um, and things like when an error message comes up, it sits on the screen forever. Like, mm-hmm. it's like if we made one of our games and when you accidentally tap something that isn't tappable, it puts up a little red that says no and leaves <laughs> it on the screen. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> and like suddenly the screen's covered in all these, you idiots, no, not like that. <laughs> it's just sort of, whoa, jeez. Um, but I, I couldn't do it. I technically couldn't do mm. it. And I remember I, I tried and tried and tried various mm. approaches. You know, I built something that was in a web browser which had kind of web things to fix that. But I kept showing them to you, mm. Joe, and you'd be like, I'm sorry, I want to, but I still can't play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I think you're absolutely right. And yeah. actually, I think personally for me, this was, this was the moment when I realised that it would be exciting to start a company make it so- to solve this problem. Mm. I remember a particular moment where I was talking with my friends about how I'd been chatting to you and like uh, how there are all of these exciting reading-based experiences that only a very small minority of people know how to approach at all in the slightest. 
and I realized that this kind of com- this combination of the kind of the the really friendly iOS UI in combination with a really compelling um, piece of interactive fiction, bringing those two things together could be a really big deal, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was really well, exciting. Ha- that has was been really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for us. Yeah. One last topic that I think is quite interesting is you're sort of talking about how the sort of the PC interface is quite strange for a game like 80 Days and to sort of add things to make it look not broken. I'd then suggest examples like Her Story and Papers, Please, where the sort of desktop interface is what makes those games. They're designed entirely around it. And I mean, I know they're both available on an iPad, but I would never play those games on an iPad because they both involve quite literally desktops. So I played Her Story on an iPad and it was fine. Right. I didn't have a problem with it. It didn't trouble me with the fiction of it, but in terms of actually interacting with the game as well, like you're only ever doing one thing, which is typing. iPads aren't great for typing. Right. It kind exactly. of made it slow and clumsy, so it sort of worked <laughs> to make me consider everything does I it, a little Does bit. it yeah. use the iOS keyboard, or does, or does he create some kind of 90s-style keyboard? I don't think it, it doesn't that go tricky-tricky, really cool. no. That would oh, be awesome. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, I, I, I think that's actually significant when I was playing Her Story. I think the fact that it slowed me down, I wasn't just spamming search box which I think I might have been inclined to do if I was playing mm. right actually it's Steam Controller so it was horrible oh. <laughs> but still I was in front of my you know I'm just in front of my TV I don't know if it counts but yeah. I did like how it positioned itself as being this I mean it just clearly looks like a PC game it's set in a PC mm. and you have to type and click on things with a mouse it's her story does a good job actually of presenting a PC style interface that's actually very mobile-ish in that simple it's straightforward it's not tweakable like it's ironic that it's set within the world of a pc isn't it that it's sort of, mm. that it's the one game which doesn't have buttons everywhere right yeah <laughs> no true that's interesting yeah. cool cool well so we've uh, discovered that ui is important well, ui is important <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it also takes a really long time that's the other yeah thing. yeah disappointing I, about it in some it's way. In, actually it's something that we prototyped like the, the the core ui of any of our games is the part that we've prototyped more than yeah. anything and else and the, the 80 day story flow went through a lot of yeah a lot of dead end ideas absolutely before we absolutely. hit on what we have which is so simple that yeah it seems strange that we yeah didn't do it immediately <laughs> cool yeah. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.